Hello, Movie Marathoners, and welcome to the Movie Marathoners Sundance 5K series, a series of short episodes centered on the films released at the 2021 Sundance Film Festival. I'm your host, Mati, and in this episode, I'm joined by Frederick Nuti from Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. And fittingly, we are reviewing Eight for Silver. Frederick, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hi, man. Doing pretty good. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for joining. Uh, how's your festival been so far? It's pretty much over at this point. We're recording on a Wednesday, but how was it, I guess I should say? Uh, it's been fantastic. I've seen a lot of movies. Uh, I'm still watching a few of them now today because it has like the, the award yeah. winning ones. So I'm trying to catch up on all the ones I've missed. But it's been a wild ride. Just some great movies that came out during Sundance, and I can't wait to see what kind of studios picked them up. So yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah, well, let's uh, get straight into it and start talking about one of those films. We're talking about Eight for Silver. And just as a reminder, every Sundance 5K series episode will be completely spoiler-free. So first, a synopsis of Eight for Silver. In the late 1800s, a man arrives in a remote country village to investigate an attack by a wild animal, but discovers a much deeper, sinister force that has both the manor and the townspeople in its grip. Eight for Silver stars Boyd Holbrook, Kelly Riley, and Alistair Petrie. It is written and directed by Sean Ellis. So I can't for the life of me remember when this came out. I think it may have been Saturday night. I caught it Saturday night, if that is when it came out. (laughs) So I've had a little bit of time to sit on it. But how about you, Frederick? What are your overall thoughts on the film? Yeah, so uh, yeah, you're completely right. It came out on Saturday. And I have to say it was a very enjoyable movie. It was not one of my favorites of Sundance, Mm. unfortunately, even in the horror genre as well. But it's a very unique and original film that we don't see very often. Uh, We don't get a lot of time pieces around this era as well, which is kind of fascinating to see that there is a movie like that. And in general, we don't get a lot of werewolf movies. And I really appreciate that, too, because I love that kind of genre. And I love to see that type of film. Me personally, of course. Yeah, it's definitely an odd and specific movie. I personally really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. And maybe that was just after having a whole day of pretty straightforward but very good uh, dramas. It was kind of nice to just sit back and turn your brain off and just watch Boyd Holbrook kill a bunch of werewolves. And for that, I I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It's perfectly gory. There's some stuff at the end that I think doesn't work quite as much as the beginning part. But in terms of setting a mood and everything, I really enjoyed this film. Yeah, it's one of those things where it hits the mark in a lot of different categories in like film, right? It hits the acting category pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. I think Boyd does a really great job. And for the life of me, I couldn't like really recognize him. I was like, oh, wait, that's the guy from Logan. That's the guy from Narcos. Yes, he is a really good actor. I can see him standing <laughs> out right now. And of course, we have uh, Kelly Riley, who's also fantastic in everything she does. And of course, I would have to say the thing that really knocked it out of the park for me is kind of like the cinematography and the locations that they have it set in because the location itself kind of plays its own character and it feels very eerie the the whole entire time and the way they shot it just there's a lot of long shots and it's just really foggy and very gloomy and very gritty and dark um yeah it's one of those movies where i appreciate it a lot more than i had fun watching it if that makes sense Mm, yeah kind Uh, of a classic for some of these sundance films i would say (laughs) it's one of those things just like it's it's well done, but I feel like there are some things that hurt it as well. But still speaking on the positives, there's a lot of scary imagery. I did like the nightmare sequences. Not to go deep into that because, you know, keep it spoiler free. 
but I feel like the strong points were those nightmare sequences that they showed, some cool stuff. And the musical score was also fantastic, too. I feel like they did a really good job on setting the tone of the movie and having the viewer experience it the way the filmmakers wanted it to. And I think Son Ellis did a great job at writing this entire script out and having his vision come to life. The film has a really good mood and a really good setting, I would say. And And it stays consistent. Yeah. And there's an opening scene, or not an opening scene, but towards the beginning of the film, there's this scene where they are approaching a a, um, a Roman, a Romi, Roma, a a Roma camp. Right. And they, I mean, this is not a spoiler, they sack the entire village. And it's basically a one-shot, and it's, it's not only just a one-shot, but it's also just zoomed out and you see the whole Roma village and you just yes. watch ton of different actors do all these different things. Very midsummer in that sense where it's just like a wide shot and just watching a bunch of really tactically maneuvered pieces being put together. That stuff was really incredible. That was my favorite scene in the yeah. movie, to be honest, <laughs> because it, it's one of those things where it's like the camera just sits there and just witnesses everything. And it's executed so perfectly because you're seeing something really bad happen and you're there with the camera and you can't look away because the camera is just staying there. And like you said, it's just one shot and it's one long take. And yeah, it's just really cool shot. Yeah. And I mean, I just feel like that type of technical excellence is not mm-hmm. something that you usually get in some of these films that feel like they're kind of B films and a little campy and stuff. And this one takes itself really seriously. And oh, I think sure. it works, you know, like it, it doesn't there's some stuff that like doesn't fully work but overall i think you buy everything that's going on and you buy that the characters are taking it seriously and there's none of these quippy jabs that like how ridiculous it is like a lot of modern horror films are so i really like that it embraces the genre and then just goes for it yeah i I like what you just said there too that the the characters in the movie take everything serious because this movie doesn't follow the traditional uh scary movie tropes right it's like oh we should go investigate this oh we should not believe this guy uh they're like okay yeah there is something out there we should definitely do something about it we should actually take the precautions and follow through what needs to be done and it's a very smart film of having those smart characters in it because it does drive the story into a more interesting way i would say and it just feels like overall the script was written with the intention of that as well so another kudo for sean ellis and i can't wait to see what he does more with this too because i feel like he does a lot of good stuff with imagery as well i know he brings Mm -hmm. a little bit of like religion into this and like the hierarchy of how people see themselves of like rich versus poor and just a lot of themes throughout this movie too it's a lot of like deep layers and i don't know if you saw the q a i love the fact of how he took addiction as his main reason to have the concept of what the werewolf is and being oh. like trapped and stuff like that uh, rather than becoming a werewolf you're kind of like like trapped instead uh it, it's great to like think about and i think hearing the q a made me appreciate this movie a lot more too it's like oh i get it that is a cool design thinking about it in that concept yeah i i really do love the creature design in this film too it doesn't feel cheap or anything like that like it feels like an actually fully developed creature design so it doesn't really even feel that much of like an indie film talking a little bit about like how the film takes itself seriously i will say that towards the end there are a couple things where characters will like recognize that a character probably turned into a werewolf and then just 
not do anything about it until that person decides to kill some other people. Right. And yeah. there were a couple of those horror movie things where it's like, are, are you are you kidding me? Like you literally were just like, where is she? And then you didn't do anything about it. So some of that stuff I thought still was a little bit in the horror cliche stuff. I don't right. know if that bothered you or you kind of mentioned that it wasn't quite as enjoyable of an experience as you thought it would be. Was there something specific about that? Um, I think... I mean, this obviously makes sense with a movie like this, too, probably not having the biggest budget. But I think one of the things that really hurt this film is the CGI and the special effects. Mm. But when they did stuff that was like practical effects, I mean, there's like an autopsy scene that they did, which is all done practically and it looked really good. Uh, But there are some scenes with the werewolf where it kind of looks a little choppy. And I would love to see that there would be parts of this movie where the whole concept of like less is more, right? with like say the concept of jaws we don't see the shark that often in the movie but it's still scary and we know that it's actually killing people i would love to have seen that concept in this movie and then maybe get a final reveal at the very end of like what the werewolf looks like and stuff like that too um but in other regards they did a really good job with the budget they had too and making it work because they do like a great transformation scene that's underwater which is a little choppy we can't see what's really going on but at the same time we know what's really going on and they didn't have to like put too much budget or CGI work into that as well. So it was kind of smart tactics on their part to making it work. But some of the scenes, it's like it's kind of jarring. It kind of takes you out of the film a little bit. But I can't blame the film on that. That's more just of a budget issue, I would say. Yeah, I definitely noticed some of the issues with the budget, especially at the very end, like with the final fight confrontation. I personally mm-hmm. found that pretty underwhelming. I don't know about you, but they they do this. It's very um, stylistic in the way that they do it. But for me, I was like, this is not really working. And and that's where I ultimately felt the most disappointed about the film, despite ultimately pretty much enjoying most of the ride. Right. And I think uh, and that's, I feel like the end sequence has so much going on and they have to show so much that they have to choose that editing style to cover up the lack of CGI that they do have. And I feel like that was the only way they can make it work. And like you said, it takes away kind of the impact of it because it mm-hmm. is a little bit of jarring. And it's kind of hard to keep up with what's going on because of how it's shot. But I do have to say still, it is a mm, exciting scene to see happen because you don't really expect it. But at the same time, you kind of did as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did have a good outcome at the very end too, because you're filled with this knowledge at the very beginning of the film of this person who kind of survives 30 day, or thirty years or somewhat that long afterwards, and he's in the movie as something else, you're like, okay, I have to see how this plays out, and we see the outcome of how it played out with that character. And it's very interesting. But yeah, it kind of took me away from that moment as well for that last sequence. Yeah, the 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 decision to start the film as 30 years into the future is pretty interesting. Right. I'm not totally sure why they did that, Because it does take a little bit of the tension out of the film because you know that some of the characters are going to survive. I don't think it personally ruins the film or anything, but it's an odd choice. And I wonder, it would be interesting to like ask Sean Ellis why he did that. Because the end of the film also does kind of set up a potential for a sequel. And maybe that's That's why he did it. Um, I don't know. This doesn't feel like a film that has, you know, the, the budget of this film doesn't feel like it has sequels in mind. But who knows? I mean, I would certainly watch a werewolf film from that takes place in World War II instead of the late oh, 1800s. Yeah. That'd be fucking cool. But um, 
yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, overall, though, I, I think that Sean Alessi does an amazing job, and I would love to just see more of him working in this type of uh, universe. Oh, also, speaking of the opening scene, the opening scene is really good, too. I feel yeah. like he would <laughs> knock it out of the park with like a war movie in general, if that's his next project, because you get some really intense moments with like, um, like the gas and stuff like that, hitting the gas mass. Uh, it was really good. I have to hand it to him. He did start the film very strong, but it's a scene that's in the movie that doesn't really belong. But that's yeah. just me. Kind of like what you were saying. It's like, it's not necessary, but it has that whole concept. It's like, let me tell you the story of what happened X amount of years ago, and then we're in our movie. It's kind of like how in Wonder Woman, there's like a pre-thing where she's in modern time, and then at the very end, it goes back to her working at the Louvre. And for that, it makes sense that they did that because we were introduced to Wonder Woman in Batman vs. Superman. But it's not like we know these characters are around then. You know, it, it was an odd choice. But I will not at all complain if we get a uh, Boyd Holbrook fighting monsters cinematic universe. That would be pretty badass. Oh, yeah. No, bring it on. Definitely. (laughs) And like I said, they had a good concept of what the werewolf looks like. So if they ever get a bigger budget and want to pursue that and see a sequel that contains a werewolf in it, I'm all about it. Because like I said, I loved how they put something as not really dark but something as personal for some people as addiction being a symbol as a wolf uh, werewolf and i i love movies that could do that they take such a subject that's really heavy and dark but they do it in a very respectful way and kind of like show a physical uh, representation of it and yeah it it just worked well yeah and on top of that like you were saying earlier there's a lot of motifs and themes about who pays the prices of like the sins of the rich and who, right. how the poor tend to be the brunt of the people who suffer from when you have these rich entitled people coming in and destroying cultures or claiming land that isn't theirs and all of this stuff. So there's a lot of like stuff underneath the surface here that you can certainly talk about. There's also some pretty, uh, I don't know if it's intentional, but there's certainly some parallels with like a pandemic and who oh, for sure. who decides to respond to that and how. And I don't know if that's intentional. Like, I don't know what the timeline for creating this project was, whether it was like a pre-pandemic thing or a current pandemic thing. I don't know. But it um, definitely resonates in that way as well. I know it possibly could have been something that was intentional, but I know the people who were picking movies for Sundance were having the pandemic in mind, and there was a mm-hmm. lot of pandemic themes that they were looking for in the movies that they were uh, selecting. And I love this ideology, too, that the werewolf has a type of science to it as well and how it worked. And we see like blood being drawn, we see blood being compared and how the infection works itself. It has a lot of like similarities to obviously what's going on now. And it, the movie itself is very contained inside this village as well. And of course, us being in the lockdown now kind of like shows the comparisons of that too, of not being able to go anywhere and be having a big conflict that is affecting the people around you and kind of overcoming that as well. So it's very symbolic in that way as well. Even if the intention was not there for that, it definitely worked for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of great stuff about this film doesn't quite hit the mark at the very end, in my opinion. And Frederick, you seem a little less warm on the film, but I think we'd both recommend to check it out when you get the opportunity. Oh, for sure. 100%. We need more werewolf films. 
Yeah. <laughs> and especially one where the werewolf isn't just like clearly an angry dog. Like this right. does not look like a dog that they trained to growl. We'll just leave it at that to keep it spoiler free. But Frederick, to close us out, since we're the Movie Marathoners podcast here, I've got to ask a question that's related to marathons. I've been doing it for every single episode. So if you were running a marathon, would you rather run that marathon with Boyd Holbrook's character from Eight for Silver or from Narcos or from Logan? Oh, 100% Logan. Yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know if you've recently seen that movie, but him running in the forest, like super angry and just messing people up. Yeah, I'll run with that. I'll be part of well, his pack in that way, that sense. Wait, is Boyd Holbrook running through the forest? Oh, no, wait. <laughs> oh, my I, God. I was thinking Logan, right? Like, um, Logan's I'm the one Logan, running through it. Yeah, yeah, never mind. Okay, now <laughs> thinking back on that, I'm going to have to say Narcos. I totally messed up. It's like, oh, yeah, Logan the movie? Yeah, I would go with uh, Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, dude, great guy. Uh, but yeah, um, for Boyd Holbrook's character, I would have to go with Narcos because he's a really drawn out character in that series and he does such a great job and i would run beside him 100 percent. good call good call uh earl frederick thank you so much for joining me uh where can people find your work online uh yes so uh two podcasts nightlight a horror movie podcast and good night life uh movie club other than that just on twitter at frederick newty and yeah that's it awesome thanks so much for joining me man of course thank you for having me this has been a Movie Marathoners Sundance 5K series episode reviewing 8 for Silver. Be sure to stay tuned for more Sundance coverage. You can find all of our Sundance 5K series and the main feature episodes of Movie Marathoners, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, at our website, evergreenpodcasts.com slash movie-marathoners, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and remember that life's a marathon, so let's take it one movie at a time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.